Hello and welcome back to the Think Business podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Today, I talk to Ronan O'Dolly, co-founder of Triftify, a young Irish startup that is leading the digital transformation of the charity shop sector, helping traditional charity shops to sell everything from fashion to books in a dynamic and sustainable way. Today, I'm joined by Ronan O'Dolly from Triftify. Ronan, the thrift store business, like any other business in the country, would have obviously been impacted by the lockdown at first when it all happened back in uh, March. Um, But I was very interested to see that among all the businesses that had kind of innovated and you know, pivoted during that time, you guys moved into 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 fashion of all things. So I, I suppose to begin with, could you tell me about Triftify's story and, and how how the company came about? Yeah, sure. Well for context I suppose there's there's about fifteen thousand charity shops or thrift stores in the UK and Ireland and another fifty to sixty thousand in the US. So it's a massive market. Um and you know I was in college actually when I had the initial idea for the for the company which was I bought a book in a, in a charity shop for a quid and it was £60 on Amazon. And I remember thinking, you know, if they have this one book that's worth so much more than what they're selling it for, what else have they got? And what percentage of the books that they get are worth a lot more? And that was the initial idea for, for, the, for, the, for the business back in 2014, uh, six years ago. So I kind of sat on it for a while and then, you know, I actually got involved in event, man- in event management, set up another business there. Um, and it came back to the idea for Triftify. Um, and I suppose I, I realized very early on I needed a CTO, someone with a good tech background because it was going to be a tech play. And thankfully, you know, found that person, Rahil, three, three and a half years ago, four years ago. We started out very simply with, you know, an MVP, one charity shop, uh, just to test out whether our good feeling and back of the envelope stuff was, was true. And, you know, since then, we, we've just progressed really very slowly, but surely. Um, we did a part-time voluntary in whatever spare time we had uh, and now we're up to a team of 11 full-time um, and we're working with over 90% of the, the charity retail sector in Ireland, every major charity shop chain. Yeah, and uh, selling all kinds of stuff. Everything that's in a charity shop, you can buy it on Triftify. Very good. And, and can this be exportable around the world? Absolutely, yeah. We're about to launch in, in the UK actually this week. Um, with the biggest charity retailer in Europe. So that's that's very exciting. We've been really, really busy preparing for that and, and getting ready for it. And our eyes, probably, to be honest, now will be on the US, um, is where we feel the big opportunity is. But yeah, I think, you know, sustainable fashion, sustainability is is growing absolutely everywhere. The, the retail environment has been changed completely as a result of COVID. You know, online is, is the new retail space um, in a way it's never been before. So yeah, I think uh, I think there's an opportunity for for use and for sustainable fashion anywhere. There, there's used goods and sustainable fashion. So you know, but for us, I think we've done Ireland, UK is next. We might look at Germany and France, um, but definitely the US would probably be where our sights are set. Very good. I mean, because there's always in a to every revolution, there's the thrift store sensibility. I think people are always. I think finding bargains or, or, or influencing fashion, there's always been a role of thrift stores in that, even in music and, and on and history of things. And I'm just kind of wondering about, you know, how the thrift store or thrift area was impacted when, when, co- when COVID hit. And, and like, did you guys respond by having your solution already in mind or was it kind of more of an instinctive thing? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, well, what happened fundamentally was, you know, the, I remember that, that week in March when everything shut, we thought it's game over for the first week. You know, all of our operations basically shut down. 
And then about a week after that, we really got the sense that the, our customers, our charity partners were starting to panic as well because suddenly their retail operation, which is only bricks and mortar, has been shut off. You know, so even if you're, you know, what we saw was even coffee shops suddenly opened a Shopify account and started selling coffee and stuff through the window. And, you know, everybody transitioned online. And then you had these this massive industry of hundreds of thousands, thousands of shops um, with no opportunity to sell anything. So I think the timing for us was really good. You know, we've been speaking about, we were speaking about launching fashion for, we've been looking at that as we, you know, that was the main thing we wanted to do. To do. The challenge was just the tech and the solution and the operations for it. So we were doing it very slowly. We were already testing it in-house, piloting, looking at uh, camera scanning functionality, uh, barcode automation, the different tech we would use. And basically what we did was we just paused every single thing else and directed the entire team to focus on getting fashion ready because, you know, that accounts for 70 to 80% of the charity retail sector's sales. So that was the thing to do. Uh, we directed absolutely everybody on it. We launched really quickly and now it's actually grown and is by far the biggest uh, aspect of, of what we're doing. And to make it happen, when I think about this, if I was to say, how would that work? I would think the key would be to put the technology in the hands of the actual store owners, everyone carries a smartphone, doesn't matter whether it's a, a budget smartphone or a high-end smartphone, most of them can prove pretty much the same thing, which is take pictures, scan things and access the internet. So I'd imagine they take a picture of the clothing and they would scan it, put it into kind of some kind of cataloging system you've created and therefore it's up there, up there to buy. Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, yeah. What we've had to do is build the technology for the, the lowest common denominator, really, which is a very, very technology illiterate individual who's volunteering in a charity shop uh, and they're there because they want to do something with their hands. They don't necessarily want to be in an IT volunteering role. So we've built the technology in a way that it just works in three very, very easy steps called scan, shelve and ship. And the scanning functionality is you point the camera at anything and it does the work for you. So you, you show it a barcode and simply it will say yes or no about whether you should sell it online. And if it's a yes, you input the storage location, hide it away from the walk-in punter because you only want to sell that item online. And that's the, that's it shelved. And then we've also integrated it automatically with, with end-to-end couriers. So when they sell an order, they just click print me, ship the label, and the courier arrives at the door and collects the parcel. And we also provide Triftify green compostable packing bags as well. So it's really three steps to go from bricks and mortar to a full suite of very powerful digital tools. So they interact with that. But on our end, you know, we've built some very, very powerful e-commerce technology that's applying automatic Google shopping campaigns, that's automatically managing the pricing based on machine learning, and that's automatically doing the merchandising, adding images, pictures, descriptions. That's automatically, you know, we're doing email marketing, social media marketing. So we've engaged the full suite of the most powerful e-commerce tools, packaged them up and given them to them in a way that is, you know, easier than interacting with Facebook. And how, how has that helped the, the thrift stores uh, sector or the, you know, charity shop sector? I suppose like, thrift stores are very much an American term, isn't it? But, you know, that's where I going to think thriftify, you know. But in, in terms of like how it helped the sector during COVID, did, did, it, did it make much of a material difference? I know the stores were shut, but were they able to keep going? Yeah, well, look, it's still very early days. So, you know, it takes time to build up volume of anything for sale. Mm. So w- what we saw, I suppose, was 
it definitely pressure off or the sense of the sense of urgency kind of what do we do panic stations okay this is a way for us to, to sell you know it, it didn't achieve the kind of levels of sales that they would be achieving because we're talking about in some instance 250 bricks and mortar stores with hundreds of thousands of products for sale so look it's going to take us time to get to those kind of stock levels but absolutely there are certain locations who've done thriftify in a way you know in a very very professional way and have dedicated resource to it and they're achieving sales that would be above and beyond a typical store with less time uh, with less cost uh, and with less resource so if done well and committed to there are a lot of locations which are to be honest, they've been quite blown away by the results because you, you, they would they can sell a brand, a branded good online for a lot more than they can in a charity shop, and that's a big part of this as well. Is you know, and we don't want to uh, steal the bargains away from everybody who loves hunting in charity shops. Uh, but there is an aspect of look, if a Louis Vuitton handbag goes into a, a St Vincent de Paul shop, they should get the five hundred or six hundred quid for that. They shouldn't sell it for twenty quid, you know. So. The winner here is the charity. And, and actually, you're going to think about this, I kind of think of all the big changes that are happening in retail, and a lot more people shopping online because of COVID, you know, but also, you know, the, the reality of the world we're in. I mean, the, the tech world, it consists of five or six big giants. Uh, sometimes you think Amazon is eating the world. It's only a matter of time for Amazon's probably doing day, day, daily groceries in Ireland. It's already doing it in the UK, I think. It's definitely doing it in the US. And you've seen a lot of very interesting things. You've seen uh, entrepreneurs like guys like BuyMe creating a, an interesting viable platform that's already spreading into the UK. In a sense, it's almost like you're an antidote to Jeff Bezos in your approach. You know, you're, you don't seem to be like, uh, you're not trying to make billions and billions and billions and billions, economies of scale, all that kind of stuff. You're, you're actually trying to help people here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, John, I think... We're very informed as well. I suppose a lot of my background background has been in social entrepreneurship, community and voluntary sector, a little bit of activism and kind of, you know, the old phrase of ignorance is bliss. I think, unfortunately, I'm very, very aware and conscious of what's happening with, with climate change and with our environment. The reality of what's happening is that scientists are telling us we have a one in 20 chance of extinction as a race uh, driven by climate change. So business as we know it is going to change fundamentally and forever. And the question is whether it's going to be forced to change by catastrophic climate change, loss of food crops, starvation and social collapse, which is literally what the scientists are telling us, or whether it's going to change to become a positive source of impact for society and for the environment. And they're the only two options. Like there isn't this third option of uh, a slight shift in how Amazon counts its bottom line, you know, and implements more CSR policies. Unless business change changes, it's going to be changed or it's going to be gone. So, you know, we're very conscious of that. And I think there's a really strong growing awareness to that as well. And I think people, to be honest, I think people are gradually becoming really fed up with the daily uh, news that Jeff Bezos's wealth and the, the the wealth concentration in society has just increased another you know whatever ten twenty hundred billion. I think I think there's a lot of fed up uh, people in terms when we look at how business is run and how the economy is structured. And I think people are ready for change. And 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 we're trying to be you know very very different to 
to what's out there. Uh, you mentioned there that you are open op- opening up in the UK and you're hoping to open up in the US and other parts of Europe, hopefully. But in terms of the, the goods you sell, so have you guys moved to include, I know fashion was the first one, but have you also started including other items like books and furniture as well into the catalogue system? Yeah, so we started with barcoded products, which would be books, DVDs, CDs, games, um, and kind of bric-a-brac. So then we've we launched clothing, which is what we're focusing on now at the moment. Uh, we started with women's clothing. We're just about to launch launch men's clothing. And then we're going to launch bridal, and then we're going to launch furniture, and then we're going to launch launch electronics. So the ambition really is to be uh, a one stop shop, really for for anything that anybody needs in their in their home. Um, yeah, to be a one stop shop and, and and to be the sustainable solution for for all kinds of goods. Yeah. And, and the reason why we're also talking is I was introduced to you by Dahi, who is organising uh, the Borough. And the Borough is, if anyone doesn't know, is a new network of Irish business professionals who like to meet and greet true Irish. Uh, I, take, I think it's a very refreshing take on, on the Irish language. Like um, the usual dialogue is about either is the language living or dying or is it... Is it, you know, how, how are people doing it, doing with it in schools? Um, I come from the peg generation, so it, it didn't uh, didn't rub off me as well as it should have, I think. I think I always believed uh, maybe Irish could have been taught very differently in schools. But from the point of view of professionals conversing through Irish, uh, it's a very interesting take. I mean, it's almost like the Gale, Gale talk, as we know it, has kind of put on a business suit. But I suppose, that's, <laughs> let's not say it like that, but like it's to say, it seems like a very refreshing way to keep the language alive, just in a different context, but also a good way for people to kind of create connections and, and actually establish friendships and business relationships in, in a different way, in, in a way in a way that they understand and love. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I'm always surprised by the people I meet who, who speak Irish. You know, there's so many Irish speakers in Ireland and, you know, a lot of the time I think, you know, we're just not, maybe not visible enough to each other. So I think the work that Burra is doing is really needed, is really refreshing. And it's also very kind of energetic and youthful as well, which which is great. It's a different angle on the promotion of the language. So, yeah, it's just brilliant. And I think, you know, the other aspect of it as well is in all entrepreneurship and business, the level of networking, whatever level of networking you do, you're going to get that back. So especially in Ireland, networking and knowing people is is a fundamental cornerstone of entrepreneurship and the more opportunities you have to, to meet people the better so you know it's great to be yeah part of Burragus Fair Play August Gramagi the Burragus brilliant Ronald Dolly thank you so much that was super interview thank you again thanks John